tonight on Whiskey Waffle. And you're like, oh my god, Santa's been here and he's drunk Santa's all your whiskey. Thirsty, yeah. I've just floated a cork in my whiskey. That's going to be there for a long time. As a man who's used to fiddling with knobs yeah. regularly. Speaking as a regular knob fiddler. That's this episode on Whiskey Waffle, the podcast. I mean, cast. Ted, are you feeling festive? Jingle, jingle, jingle. <laughs> it's very, very hard for us to get festive in advance, but you know, I don't want to reveal too much behind the um behind the curtain of our podcasting scene because it's Christmas Day. Hooray! It's bloody Christmas Day. Hooray! This episode, and uh, again, this is completely coincidental, but the fourth Friday just happens to be the twenty fifth of December. Merry Christmas, everyone! Merry Christmas! After what has been a pretty bonkers year, yeah. Hopefully, you are free free to ramble about the countryside and are not spending it locked down, uh, staring at your nearest and dearest for the twenty uh, fifth day in a row. <laughs> uh, yeah, yes. we're, we're we're we still are a little way out from Christmas when we're recording this too. So God knows what state the world's going to be in. But fingers crossed. Yes, and well, Nick, stuff me like a stocking. We have got some excellent drams for you yeah. uh, tonight. Today, um, whenever, whenever you choose to celebrate Christmas. We've got some random stuff because, of course, our final podcast of the year is a collection of, of sections that don't quite make it onto previous pods. So there's some random stuff coming up, but um, also some interesting reviews and drams and uh, head-to-heads, all sorts of weird stuff. We may also have some presents. I don't know if we'll... Yeah, well, hopefully some people at home have got some nice presents. Yes. Some um, nice presents that are wrapped up in glass. If you are listening and you have a nice present wrapped up in glass, please let us know what you received. I personally have a snow globe. Mm. <laughs> nice, nice. Um, yeah, they didn't uh, chill filter that one, did they, Ted? <laughs> no, it's a Diageo one, actually. Yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's, can, can, you can't actually see through it um, <laughs> because of all the caramel colouring. Yeah, yeah, that, that's true, that's true. Also good news, Ted, someone's left us a Christmas present. Oh, yeah, a little bit early, actually, in September. I've only just noticed it. But we've got a review on the Australian iTunes. Oh, I've, I've been wondering what that weirdly wrapped, lumpy present know, is sitting in the corner. Um, well, if you were to unwrap it, you would discover five stars. <gasps> five the- stars? The fakest review, the fakest <laughs> amount of stars of all. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I feel this is genuine. This is from Kareem33. Um, left, left us a review in September, and uh, we've ignored him ever since. Um, but he said... An entertainingly irreverent looks at whiskey by two Tassie boys, Nick and Ted, that will keep you informed about the Australian whiskey scene and also educate about whiskey in general. That sounds like us. We yeah. looks at whiskey all the time. We looks at whiskey so much. Yeah. Thank you, Kareem thirty three. I'm assuming that's his real name. Her real name? It could could, could, be, could be their could real be. name. Yeah, yeah. They are, they are a um, vast interdimensional being. Um, that has momentarily uh, penetrated into mm-hmm. our universe. Is this the new um, T-Trout, new, new robot of ultimate destruction? No, it could be a nemesis for T-Trout. No, he, okay, here's the story arc. Yeah. Like, the, fir- the first, the first <laughs> Ted, movie... Ted's getting excited. The first movie is like Whiskey Waffle uh, versus T-Trout. Like, T-Trout's sort of... He, he's, he seems like sort of a, a charming businessman um, <laughs> when we first meet him. But then as the episode develops, it turns out that he's really a robot of ultimate destruction in disguise <laughs> and we have to fight him at the end. Now, yeah. speaking of speaking of that, there will also be a little Christmas present for our, our um, Patreon uh, followers as well that may feature Tea Trout and Whiskey Waffle doing hey, s- said... Hey. said uh, and this is for scene. all Patreon followers, not just the ones that are on Drinky Buddy level. Everyone's going to see some wonderful um, Whiskey Waffle fan fiction. Yes, but... Next movie. Oh yes, next the sequel. Ne- the se- the which se- is which is you know everyone says is not as good. After after yeah after we beat T. Trout though, yeah. and like take him dismantle him into pieces. Next movie, Kareem thirty three, <laughs> the vast interdimensional being <laughs> who has penetrated our universe, <laughs> is threatening Earth, and so in desperation we have to go reassemble T. Trout. <laughs> And make him, get him to fight on our side, to, to beat back Kareem33. <laughs> yes, T-Trout will be back. Yeah, well, if you can think of the final chapter, please give us a manuscript via Carrier Pigeon, and uh, we'll be sure to rip it off and give you no credit. Hooray! Mm. Anyway, shall we start waffling incessantly about some random stuff that we have left over from previous recording blocks? Yep, it's like... so. We've we've had our had our Christmas lunch. Everyone's sort of rolling around like mm. fat foods food ticks on the floor, like having gorged ourselves. True. And now it's time 
for the leftovers. Mum's come out and she said, right, get in the kitchen. There's cold leftovers everywhere. And you're like, I'm so full, but okay. Yeah. Ho, ho, ho. <laughs> Merry Christmas. Yes. From yes. Ted, the slightly grinchy one. <laughs> yeah, no, Merry Christmas from me as well, everyone. I hope you're in high spirits. See what I did there? This <laughs> this festive season. And um, yeah, and I hope you are actually able to spend it with some family. So yeah. Let's get waffling. Right. Let me grab the mistletoe. <laughs> That's to all you listeners. So are we are we on now? We're, yeah, let's, all this, let's just all do this it. random waffle has been yeah. captured. The main reason is I said something funny in the first like twelve seconds, so therefore I need yeah. to keep the next ten yeah. minutes of random waffle yeah. just to uh just to keep that in because that's uh generally the sort of quality ratio that we have. Um, three seconds of gold and ten seconds of random rubbish. Yep, that sounds much like us. Mm. Head to head. Oh no. Oh, he's done a cork. I think I, I I think I've forgotten that this one's got a cork. Luckily, we've got a waiter's <laughs> mate here ready to go. <laughs> my uh, my cork. Ooh, oh shit! <laughs> right, it's not going well. <laughs> I've just floated a cork in my whiskey. That's going to be there for a long time, Ted. That is going to be there. God, I should hope- we should we pour the whiskey into a decanter, get the cork out? Then how do we get that cork out? I don't know. It's a- Pressure. <laughs> Set fire to it. <laughs> Right, um, we've just, got... To- you know what we're going to have to do, Ted? Just going to have to drink this whiskey over the next little while. Because I mean, I'm sure it won't deteriorate in the... It's, it's three quarters... Why does this always happen? Why are we always having malfunctions in the equipment? Wouldn't happen with a plastic cork. Ugh. Don't do what you did with the flurky and knock that over. Because <laughs> yeah, I, I don't want you knocking this one over. All right. No, no not this one. Nicholas! Yes. We're doing some head-to-head. We are doing some head-to-head. Yep. In the red corner, we have... A Bunnahaven 12-year-old. The classic Bunnahaven 12-year-old. One of one of our favourite go-to sort of 12-year-old whiskies. And which which colour did I say first? I think I said blue. I know you said red because it's the darker whiskey. Yes. In the blue corner. Yes. We have got a Bunnahaven 13-year-old. Ooh, I didn't know that they released a 13-year-old, Ted. They don't. Aha. Uh-huh. This is an independently aged uh, Bunnahaven. So this... So the Bunnahaven 12-year-old is yep. aged by Bunnahaven at Bunnahaven. Um, by Bunnahaven. By Bunnahaven. It, so the, the Bunnahaven 12-year-old is uh, aged in about uh, 60% bourbon casks and 30% uh, sherry casks. And 10%. And 10%? I don't know why. I think it's probably 70%. <laughs> Mass has never been my strong suit. Yeah, 70%. There's probably 10% um, love in there, I think. Yeah. It's a classic. So, what's what's um Bunhaven's tagline? Um, the gentle taste of Isla. Is yeah. that it? Yeah, I think I think that's Something pretty like much that. pretty much it. So, Bunhaven heavily peated. Bunhaven is from the magical Isle of Isla, and it is on the eastern side. You can uh, you can if you're a really good thrower, you can probably chuck a rocket Jura from there. Yeah, you could probably um if you can throw throw uphill, you might reach the the new Garden Ho Distillery. Yeah, Garden Ho is just down the road, and if you go right Up back road, down yeah. to Port of Skeg, you've got Kalila. Yep. But yes, Bunnahaven is a great distillery, and they are different to the other Isla distillery, distilleries in that they have not peaty whiskey. Whereas, I mean, it's not very peaty whiskey. No, it's just a tiny, minuscule, like two parts per million or something. And so what what does that do to the uh, spirit then? Well, it certainly doesn't make it um, smell like a, a bonfire. No, it is... It's, I'd say it's it really is the coastal whiskey of Isla. Mm, that's it. It just it just really soaks in all that sort of salty breeze coming along, and um, we we like it. We, we really like we it. do. It's it's a really good whiskey. It's if you've ever tried an Isla whiskey, like you've only like tried a couple of Isla whiskeys, and you've never tried Bonnehaven, and you sort of think you know what you're expecting from a Isla whiskey, mm. like a, a Lafroig or a Ardbeg. Um, yeah, this ain't it. This ain't it. This is so much different. It's, yeah, it's... and it's. I've been on an interesting journey with Buna because when I first tried it, I had only had a handful of Isla whiskies and loved them. Absolutely loved them. I, you know, we had our Lafroig versus uh, Lagavulin sort of arms race going on. Um, I'd had some Talisker recently as well, not from from an Isla, but it's um it reminded me of those ones. And I uh, was yeah going to go on to discover um, Ardbeg and um, Kalila. And so when I had Bunnahaven, I was a bit disappointed. I was like, what? This is lame. 
But now I've got over that. I really appreciate the subtleties. I really appreciate some of the flavors that are going on. Once you peel away that peat, what is what is Isla really taste like? And Ted, Salt. I think you summed it up better than anything else in your review. It's one of my favorite reviews you've written. Can be found at whiskeywaffle.com. Um, you said it's like taking a mouthful of salt water. Yep, it is salty. Mm. Um, and not in a bad way. No, it's good. It's good salt. It's like a, a it's a it's a day at the beach when you sort of tumbled a bit in the surf and you come out laughing mm. and like you've just got a bit of sort of salty water in your mouth. So that's um that's whiskey number one. That's the twelve year old. That is the twelve year old. But what so about the thirteen? The thirteen year old. The one with the broken cork. The one with the broken cork. <laughs> the floating cork inside. Oh, floaty corks. <laughs> oh, don't get me started. They're better than thinky corks. <laughs> well, Yes. Um, so this this is a independently aged uh, Bonhaven. It comes from Dunvegan. 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 Um, they they release a range of different things. So what what happens is um, Emma Cloud's team goes along to a distillery and they'll select certain barrels. So some some independent bottlers get barrels from a distillery and then take them somewhere else, like Glasgow or something, and age them there. The Dunvegan team aged their their whiskey at the distilleries of origin. So this is a 13-year-old. You've got the Bunnhaven 12-year-old. The Bunnhaven 12-year-old is a 46.3%. This one is a 46%. So they are very similar in they a lot of ways. They are very similar. Um, we don't know it's necessarily the casking of the Dunvegan, but... Um, no, it's... it's lighter. Butts. So that suggests sherry. It does. Although it is lighter, so it, it says it's been in butts anyway. Maybe the second fill. Yeah, ifs and butts. I can tell you the cast numbers. They come from casks 2265 and 2266. Right. Did you fill cask 2265 and 2266? If so, get in touch. But I can also say that they, they released 1,320 bottles off that. So They're big butts. They, they are and big. And they cannot lie. And we cannot lie. So I guess all that's left for us to do is is compare the two. Yeah. So let's let's do this little head to head on um, these. So as we said, th- this is a I think this is a really good head to head because mm. it's not even like the dumb vegans being taken away and aged somewhere else, somewhere else. Mm. This is they been- should have the same terroir. Same terroir. Same. Pretty much exactly the same um, percentage. Similar barrels. Pretty much the same year, but what is E McLeod? selecting for compared to what the Bornhaven team are selecting for. Okay, so I'm I'm having a big sniff here and, and initially they, they did smell you know completely different whiskies, but now I've I've had a second sniff and a third, I can really tell the similar similarities here. I would say that the Bornhaven twelve is I think thicker across its nose than the Yeah, it's broader, isn't it? Yeah. Maybe, uh, possibly sweeter. Maybe a bit more depth. Maybe maybe that's you're getting more sherry influence or something out of. Yeah, I mean, you look at the color. The twelve is darker, and the nose does suggest a bit more sherry influence. But you know, I think I suppose the the Bunnhaven twelve would be far more vatted. Mm. The like the the thirteen year old is two, two, is butts, two isn't it? Yeah, two chicks, so to speak. That's going to have a much sort of narrower flavour profile than what the I'm actually getting more salt on the thirteen on the done vegan. Mm. It's a it's a sort of lighter, sharper Yeah, there's a lot more sort of tropical fruit going on with the twelve year old, which I've never noticed really before until this comparison. There's a there's sort of a cool cool stone in the um thirteen. Mm. Yeah, no, the, the the twelve is um very fruity now, mm. isn't it? That, yeah, that's yeah. really interesting to try against. Absolutely. All right. I think we should go in for a little sip. Yeah. Which one are we going to sip first? I think we've got to go the 12 yeah, first. Yeah, we've got to go chronologically, numerically. Just just the, the normal, the, yeah. the everyday, the vanilla. Don't taste vanilla. There's that salt, especially yeah. on the back and the finish. It's quite fruity at the very start, though. Yep. But then, yeah, you'd get that sort of nice burst of salty water. It's a nice, yeah, it's a nice balanced whiskey, actually. It's got a bit of... A, a few different flavors going on. Mm. There's there's a sort of I, I think that um I think that Bunnhaven's at about three parts per million of peat, so yeah, it's it's very that. light. It's it's comparable yeah. to sort of mainland peating. I think even some mainland ones are probably heavy, more heavily peated. Mm. But it adds it adds sort of a slight earthiness. Yeah, underneath keeps that fruit under control. It never gets too sweet. 
just adds all this complex mouthfeel. Mm. I really like drinking them. Shall we, shall we uh, try um, yeah. 13? No, I'm curious. Uh, because supposedly I've tried this one before, but I don't remember it. It was that sort of night. It's heaps more salt. That's, that's, that's more coastal. Mm. That's pushed it further. I think I've got a floaty. Yeah, cork floaty. No, it's it's mm. it's a lot of that uh, tropical fruit, that punchy sort of um, thick syrupy fruit flavors have gone, and it's just left the that salty tangy sort of thing underneath. It's yeah, it's it's like it's exactly like the like the Bonahaven twelve year old, but you've peeled peeled back a few layers. I think there's there's a bit more oiliness to it, mm. maybe. Yeah, the, perhaps the peat reveals itself a bit more. Not really, but I think it's a bit sharper on the palate. It's more uh, complex is not the right word because the the twelve has all these different flavors, mm. and this is a little bit more straight down the line. But it's more challenging. Mm. I certainly think that the twelve would have a much broader appeal than the thirteen. Mm. The, the the twelve has got a lot is a lot softer across it. It's got more sort of fruity flavors to it that I think would. If yeah, if if someone who wasn't as familiar with it came in, they would find that more appealing than the mm. the thirteen, which is which is a lot yeah, like a lot narrower and sharper in its flavors. If I was to say a fruit though for the thirteen, I'm going with banana. Mm. Maybe perhaps the lolly bananas. I don't know, but yeah, I can see where you're going with that. Mm. I I think I think the thirteen is a lot sort of narrow and thinner and sharper all round. It's it's sort of mm. it's very straight. It takes, it takes the salty um, coastal sort of elements of the 12 and mm. lets them really come to the fore a bit more. It's like, um, I'm going to go in here with a, a strange um, audio analogy. So done a little bit of work on um, I'm mixing and producing uh, re- recordings of music. And, um, you know, you've got all the different instruments in different tracks and you can certainly turn up different instruments and turn down other ends and you can pan them left and right to, between the left and right speakers as well. And... By doing different things, it doesn't change the song, but it just changes the overall feel of the song. And sometimes you don't even know that it's there until you mute it and take it out. And it's like, something's missing. And then you add it back in. And it's like, ah, oh, that feels right again. This is just dialed up one one fader and it's pushed that sort of salty coastal thing right up. And it's taken down the tropical fruit. Whereas, um, you know, if you if you tweaked with the knobs and, and, and filtered with those dials a little bit, then, um, yeah, both of these whiskeys could come from the same mix. Yeah, it's interesting, but I mean, speak as as a man who's used to fiddling with knobs yeah. regularly. Spe- speaking as a re- regular knob fiddler, yeah. um, <laughs> it's really interesting. Like as we've just discussed, these are almost identical whiskies theoretically. Mm. I think I think probably the main difference is the casking in there. Yeah, you're never going to get that exact. Even yeah. if they're they're all the same exact same percentages, there's just going to be different barrels. So yeah. But it's it's really interesting, sort of the differences between them. No, it's it's really interesting discussion. And while you at home might not be able to compare the exact Bunnahabans that we're trying, you might be able to find a regular bottling versus an independent around about that same age bracket. It's mm. definitely worth it. And some people might even have them sitting on their shelves and never thought to compare. So here's here's my opinion. I think I think I prefer the twelve year old. Mm-hmm. I think it's just all round sort of. A, a sort of a nicer, more rounded, more it's a far better whiskey, more, all around. Fu- more yeah. fulfilling whiskey. Yep. But the, the sort of the whiskey nerd in me likes the, the thirteen for sort of the interesting kind mm. of. It's interesting weird, taste of Haven when you've stripped back a few layers and and seen mm. what's underneath. It is. It's a fascinating combo and probably one that we would have never noticed if we had not done this head to head. Yeah. No, there you go. Right, buddy. Mm. You better find me a cork. Yes, all right then. That's the next challenge of the night. We'll see how we go. I don't know why I'm doing this. Last time I tried pouring water into my Glen can, it ended disastrously, but... The Whiskey! Okay, it's time for a whiskey review, and here's a country we haven't covered so far on the pod before. Hint. Meh. No, actually, that's wrong. That's a goat. Very good. Ted, you've been uh, practicing your animal sounds. Thought you were going to jump in with another Moldova joke. But instead, we're going to New Zealand. Now, New Zealand are currently experiencing a bit of a whiskey revival in the sort of Tasmanian sense. But they were actually on the ball very early in the proceedings of, um, you know, the Southern Hemisphere whiskey. They they were making whiskey in the 90s. Well, they must have been because this is quite old, this one. Yep. New Zealand was sort of a bit of a 
a, a false start as these things go. <laughs> they were a bit of a black sheep, weren't they? So unlike Tasmania, which managed to sort of get up on its feet and kept staggering until it could eventually like um, yeah. find its way out the door. Convince um, people that it could walk in a straight New, line. New yeah. Zealand, New Zealand um, tripped over a bar stool <laughs> and uh, spent a bit of time sleeping under the uh, bar. Indeed. So what New Zealand whiskey are we drinking? We are drinking. Okay. Let we we said we'd keep this concise, so let's do that. This is the New Zealand Whiskey Collection Double Wood 10 year old. Wait, Double Wood? Doesn't that mean that it's from uh, Balvenie? Balvenie have got that uh, stitched up, surely. Yeah, no. Apparently these guys call it Double Wood too, but Balvenie's probably never heard of New Zealand, so. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, what is the distillery though? I've never got that. Okay, okay. So, it, I do have that information. Excellent. It, this whiskey was distilled. In the, I wish I could do a, a good Kiwi accent, but if yeah. I do it, it's going to be a complete butchery. Yeah. Just don't have, have the skills. When in a New Zealand the, course, the, the, are you are you from New Zealand? If so, please get in touch via Carrier Pigeon. No, no wouldn't Cu- it be... Curia Pigeon. Curia, pi- Curia Pigeon. Pigeon or Curia Pigeon? <laughs> Cur- Curia Pigeon. We really this, need this, a New Zealand this, correspondent. This, this whiskey... This whiskey was, yeah, no, 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 but no, no, I'm, I'm not going to do it. People in New Zealand are going to invade. All our New Zealand. I don't think we have a single New Zealand listener. Again, are you from New Zealand? Please correct us, but I don't think we do. Got in touch. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, this whiskey was distilled in the Willowbank distillery Willowbank. of Dunedin. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, right. So facts, facts, more facts. facts. This has been aged for six years in American oak. Mm-hmm. And finished for four in French oak. Okay, that's not that unusual, is it? Ex-New Zealand red wine barrels. Ah, red wine barrels. Now, my my one of my key memories about this bottle is this is the first ever bottle that you described red wine mm. as having a soapy flavour. Or at least red wine casking. Yeah. Well, yeah, that, that's yeah, what Yeah, it I did, because I... I've yet to narrow it down properly, but what I would compare it to is a a flannel, a washer that you haven't quite cleaned out, and then you pull it out like a couple of days later, and it smells a bit funky. Mm. Speaking of funky, I've had this bottle for quite a few years now. You bought it in Judy Freedom News, coming back from New Zealand? Yeah, I think I did, actually. Um, it's gone cloudy. Hmm. Um, have you added ice to it, Ted? No. My colleague tells me that this is a sign that we need to drink it, and I, I tend to agree with him. Yeah. Um, folks, don't leave your bottles for an infinite amount of time. They do have a expiry date. It might not be, you know, a few months or weeks. It's, it's not going to be a few decades, though. Drink it before it gets to one decade. So this, this is um, 40%. 40%. Okay. 40%. Well, I mean, that could contribute to the cloudiness. Mm. But it's an interesting sort of bit of a sulfury nose, sort of uh, earthy, grungy. Yeah, bit of sort of this bottom of the fridge, maybe. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But I mean, we described Sutherland's Cove as having that flavour as well, so it's not um, I don't mean it's a bad thing. It's just maybe interesting... a bit of like um, a seaweedy sort of. Yeah. Okay. Smell like yeah. Shall we have a sip? Yes, let's let's do that. Initial hit of vanilla, and then, uh, and then soap. There so it is. I've never really got that soap. Yeah, I know. <laughs> soap is soap is a bad terminology. I'm I'm gonna go out on a limb here and say it tastes mouldy. Okay. Yeah. It tastes, yeah. It tastes ammonia. I, I wouldn't go so maybe not mold. I think mu- I'm particularly mushroomy. susceptible to it. Yeah, it tastes. Again, this is me coming back to the un you know the unrinsed out flannel. Um. Yeah. Okay. No idea. I, I think it's really specific to me because I can pick these things. Yeah. yeah. Straight away, and not uh, not many people I know can. I've I've known you to yeah just try a wine uh, a whiskey and go yep that's red wine I was like yeah, how do you know that and it's like well it's got that soapiness to it's it it's on the aftertaste it's on the finish it just mm. yeah it tastes I would be interested clean to, producty. to test the percentage of this and find out whether it's dropped I reckon it's dropped I reckon it's dropped mm. yeah um, but I've got this same tasting note from the very start um, it's quite mellow in the middle palette I quite like it vanilla in the middle it's a fairly 
fruity-ish whiskey. Mm. I expect it's more, it's more alcohol fruity though than mm. than like the nice yeah. I expect that the wine cask has had a lot of influence on it. That French oak wine. Yeah. Did it, how long did it say it's well, been? It's only ten years in total. So I'm saying it's six years in American. No, it's four. Yeah. Four years in yeah. wine. Yeah, that's right. So it spent a reasonable amount of time in yeah, that wine cask. Yeah, inverted commas, finishing. Yeah, like that is actually... Almost half its life. I suppose finishing is technically correct because it's sort of... Yeah, sweat. but it didn't yeah. start there. Yeah, yeah it's... um. There's yeah. a bit of vanilla in there, I think. Yeah, well, absolutely. That's the, um, yeah, yeah. My, my initial tasting note. But that's the middle palate, or even the initial palate, but... Yeah, the nose... I actually quite like the nose. The nose is my favourite bit. It's got this complex grunginess to it mm. and then you take a sip and it's a bit of vanilla and then for me personally descends into yeah cleaning products is that is that a uh, hint of um sheep lanolin i smell in there <laughs> yeah if we did have one new zealand view they just switched off come on we're australians we've got to <laughs> we've got at least do a bit of ribbing indeed rubbing indeed. <laughs> right well let's get let's get to conclusions let's not um, beat not, around the bush here. Yeah. I would say this is not my favourite whiskey, which is probably why it sat on the shelf for so many years and has gone cloudy. Yeah. The flavours just don't seem to quite stack up. You, They're a bit unbalanced. And you, you've got some things in there that, as my colleague so rightly identifies in his own special way, <laughs> yeah, just, they're a bit funky. Yeah. Um, I would be interesting to see what they're producing in the modern oh, context I think they, these guys. I think they can do so much better. I think this is a quite a poor whiskey, personally. I think they haven't got it right. I think that their cask typing they have not nailed. They've they potentially even started on the right lines, but they just they've nowhere near stuck the landing. I think they went astray along long way the process. But yeah, I think that there is going to be some exciting stuff coming out of New Zealand, but this is not it. I am giving this a low two stars. Yeah, I don't. I don't think it's as bad as a one-star whiskey. I don't think it's worth consigning completely to the <laughs> to the sin bin. But I think it's certainly not a fantastic whiskey. Yeah, it's probably a one for me. It's a one for you. Yeah, I don't like it. I don't like it at all. It's that soapy thing, though. As I said, this yeah, is the first whiskey me. that I ever remember you saying like, "Oh, what's that soapy note?" I really want to know what other people like. It happens a lot with red wines, but occasionally it happens with port whiskies as mm. well, um, which I generally quite like, but some of them have been a bit this way. It's more fridginess from ports than... Uh, yeah. But, yeah. but no, I, I really do get that. So if, if anyone gets any other funky, weird flavours from wine casks or from some particular port casks, and not necessarily soapy, but uh, mouldy is too harsh, but it's, it's, yeah, this weird fungusy sort of thing. Well, that's Nook and Tud. <laughs> signing off so for our listeners that probably would never ever listen to this segment but um, the microphones are on so I may as well announce it so Ted's uh, Bust Out of Glen Farkless uh, produced by the Whiskey Club and it's Toffee Apples Toffee Apples is my tasting note and no one's going to dissuade me from it good yep right yep anyway I'm ready for a new section yes okay this section is so random I don't even have a name for it I'm going to have to come up with something sort of um, miscellaneous to go with this because I have no idea what it is. But you know what I've got lined up for us today, Ted? No, I don't, actually. <laughs> I'm completely in the dark here. I've lined up the Whiskey Hunger Games. Or what? Should that be Thirsty Games? I don't know. Well, anyway, from, from 12 districts, there are 24 whiskeys that are going to compete it out. Go killer through the simulator. Um, yeah, killer drams in this case it is. And um, yeah, I thought we might get a chuckle from whatever it spills up, but I, I'll, I'll run you through the whiskies that are that are up here. So um, right. District 1 is um, some Glens, Glenfiddich, Glenlivet. District 2 is Macallan and Dalmore. District 3, Glenfarclas, which we're drinking now, and Dalwini. District um, 4 is Laphroaig and Highland Park. District 4, is that the fishing one? Can't remember. Um, District 5, Lagavulin and Ardbeg. Uh, District 6, Monkey Shoulder and Johnny Walker Red Label. Got to have some villains in there as well. Um, it's District 7, and Jim Beam and Jack Daniels. Yep. Um, District 8, Jamison and Bushmills. That's Ireland right there. Um, District 9, Amrut and Paul John. Mm-hmm. District 10, Yamazaki and Huckshoe. District 11, Lark and Sullivan's Cove. 
Yep. And District 12, Hellias and Overeem. Mm. Are you ready to begin the Hunger Games? Yes. All right. Weapons out. I'm feeling scared and confused and not really knowing what's going on, but I'm sure that if I can get to the weapons in time... Mm. And run away very fast, I should be fine. Well, that is what has happened. Pretty much everyone has run away. Um, Sullivan's Cove and Bushmill um, fought over a bag. Oh, yeah. Um, Sullivan's Cove gave up in retreats. And most people are running running away. Lagavulin stabs Johnny Walker Red Label in the back with a trident. What? Lagavulin has killed Johnny Walker Red Label. Well, I mean, that, that, like, easy kill, easy yeah, kill. Yeah, for not containing enough Lagavulin in there. Um, Lefroy, Overeen, and Jamison worked together to get as many supplies as possible. Oh. So that was the start. Oh, here's a new kill. Dalwini poisons McCallan's drink, and McCallan drinks it and dies. <laughs> that whiskey, though. How does that work? <laughs> I know, I know. That's, that's You've seen the flaw in this plan. Yeah. Um, Overeem, Helly's Road, Ardbeck, and Dalmore hunt for other tributes together. Yep. Oh, here we go. Lagavulin, and Lefroig, and Jack Daniels unsuccessfully ambushed Jim Bean, Monkey Shoulder, and Jamison. Who kill them instead? What? Jim, no! Jim Beam, Monkey Shoulder, and Jamison have killed Lagavulin, and Lefroig, and JD. Those rough brutes have taken it out on those fine, elegant whiskies. I know. Lagavulin started strong, but they've fallen. And Lefroig. Mm, um, I know. Two, two big smoky ones. Here's another kill. Glenn Farkless ambushes Amrut and kills Amrut. Oh, and here's another one. Oh, no. Sullivan's Cove that accidentally steps on a landmine. <laughs> oh, shit. Uh, that sounds like worms. Carnage. Carnage. Eight cannon shots can be heard in the distance. Yamazaki, Red Label, McCallan, Lagavulin, Lafroig, JD, Amrut, and Sullivan's Cove. Far out. There's some, was, there's some big names brutal. in there, actually. There's been another kill. Jim Beam has had another kill. Jim Beam destroys Highland Park supplies. That's right. Highland Park is still alive. The oh, supplies God. have been destroyed. What, what if Jim Beam wins this, though? I That's... know, I know. Oh, here we go. Jamison shoots an arrow into Huckshu's head. That, there's nothing coming back there. Glenn Farkless tends to Overeem's wounds. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and they're all setting up camp for the night. All right, then day two. Day two. Highland Park defeats Lark in a fight, but spares her life. Yeah, right. Mm. Good, good. Like, like is like. Oh, it's yeah. an interesting alliance here. Hellier's Road and Glenn Farkless have split up to search for resources, and um, there's a few, few weapon building and re- retrieving stuff from sponsorship. So here we go. At the end of the day, Huckshu and Glenn Livet have died. I must have missed Glenn Livet on the way through, but there we go. All right then, night two. Ooh, Glenn Farkless sets up an explosive, killing Lark and Highland Park. Oh no! Oh no! Ardbeg begs for Bushmills to kill her, and she reluctantly obliges, killing Ardbeg. No! What, Ardbeg's what's, gone. What's with all the smoky whiskeys being killed? I know. Like Vulan, Lefroig, and Ardbeg, all like Oh, here we go. Jim Beam and Dalwini fight Overeem and Jamison. And Jim Beam and Dalwini survive. Does that mean Overeem and, da- and Jamison are gone? Ooh. I mean, I'm not mourning Jamison, but Overeem. Hellis Road severely slices Paul John with a sword. I don't know if that's fatal or not. We shall proceed and find out. Um, the cornucopia is replenished with food supplies and weapons. Dalmore steals Glenn of its memoirs. <laughs> and, uh, memoirs? Yeah. And Hellis Road sobs while gripping a photo of their friends and family. <laughs> oh, here we go. Glenn Farkless defeats Glenn Fittick in a fight but spares their life. Mm. Ooh. Dalwini, Hellier's Road and Monkey Shoulder get into a fight. And Dalwini kills them both. Hellier's Road and Monkey Shoulder are out. Okay, eight more cannon shots. Lark, Highland Park, Ardbeg, Overeem, Jamison, Paul John, Hellier's Road, and Monkey Shoulder are all gone. So let's just check who's alive, because there aren't many. Glenfiddich is still alive. Yep. Dalmore is still alive. Glenn Farkless is still alive with three kills. Dalwini is still alive with five kills. Far out. Um, Jim uh, Beam is still alive with five kills. And Bushmills is still alive. So how many... With with um with Dalwini and Jim Beam, it's Highland versus Hick. <laughs> Oh, yeah. All right, then. We're proceeding to the next day. Dalmore begs for Jim Beam to kill her, and he does. Dalmore is dead. Glenn Farkless scares Bushmills off, and Dalwini injures itself. <laughs> it injures itself? Yeah. Oh, God. Dalmore is gone. Um, Dalwini begs for Glenn Fiddick to kill her, but he refuses, keeping Dalwini alive. Tear-jerking moment. Oh, no. Dalwini bleeds out due to untreated injuries. Oh, no. And Glenn Fiddick dies from thirst. What? Two more single malts are gone. Couldn't they drink themselves? Oh gosh! So the only there's only three left now: Glenn Farkless, 
Jim Beam and Bushmills. Jim Beam could win this. Oh, no, please, no. <laughs> Glenn Farkas stays awake all night and Jim Beam convinces Bushmills to snuggle. <laughs> <laughs> snuggle, yeah. wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Um, Jim Beam steals from Glenn Farkas while he's not looking. Bushmills receives explosives. No cannon shots heard on this day. Mm. Here we go, moving on. Glenn Farkas and Bushmills run each other, run into each other and decide to have a truce for the night. Oh no, Bushmills falls into a frozen lake and drowns. <laughs> and are you ready? Jim Beam unknowingly eats toxic berries. Oh no, done! Gosh! <laughs> Bushmills and Jim Beam are dead, which means that... The winner is Glenn Farkless, which is what we're drinking. Oh, my God. I've got it in Glenn Farkless glass. <laughs> oh, it's it's fate. It's meant to be. So here are our placings. Glenn Farkless won. Jim Beam came second. Bushmills third. Glenn Fittick fourth. Dalwini fifth. Um, Dalmore sixth. And our bottom few, Yamazaki, Johnny Walker, Red Label, McKellen. And, uh, yeah, poor Lagavulin and Lefroy didn't get out of the bottom few. Oh, that's great. What was that? Like... What is it? Just this random simulator. So I'll credit the um I'll credit the maker brandsteel.net. Okay. That's I that's just made me want to read them again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, definitely and especially the first one. Well, there you go. The uh the drinking games. Mm. The drinking games. We got there in the end. Nice work. Cheap 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 cheap. I don't think carrier pigeons actually say cheap cheap. I think we're getting confused here. Go! <laughs> As you know, chicken feed is all you need because a little stewardo goes a long, long way. Long way. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. Waffle, waffle, waffle in with. Welcome to Waffling with, and today we are at Lark Distillery with head distiller Chris Thompson. Thanks for uh, letting us come along and have a chat, Chris. How's things going? Yeah, things are really, really good. I'll. Um... Well, I'll start with correcting. We are now Lark Distilling Co., which I think we're going to talk about maybe a little bit yes. later. So, yeah, yeah. yep. Ooh. <laughs> in. Yeah, no, good. Well, um, it feels like you've been um, here as a distiller at Lark since you're at least four years old. I think you've been here for, for a very long time anyway. It does feel like that. I think uh, 2007 I started. So, this is, yeah, it's my 13th year. Yeah, wow. Yeah. And so, how did you first come into Lark? Did you have previous experience before with distilling was that your sort of first entry into the yeah it was, world? It, was, it was very much um i suppose i i drank whiskey and, and was pretty into craft beer at the time but um but yeah in terms of the technical side and back in 2007 i was i was pretty green and um yeah certainly had the opportunity to, to grow and learn with the company and i imagine it was it was pretty different to what it is now i reckon it was pretty small back in the day was bill bill still on the uh Bill still on the still in those days, or was he? Nah, Bill. Bill, uh, Bill wasn't on the tools then. There was somebody else in between um, at that point. Um, but yeah, William certainly would poke his head out plenty and um, hmm. and enjoy a, a dram or two. So I actually spent a lot of time with with Bill's um, wife Lynn, who really she probably philosophically um, and technically probably the foundation of, of the style um, that I've. Or the way that I go about it, yeah, yeah, she's probably she's probably centre of mind for that, yeah. And uh, these days, of course, one of the things we're noticing is that the the current owners, AWH, have got strong ambitions for for Lark. They really want to push the brand, which is it's got to be really exciting. But as a head distiller, is there also pressure that comes with that? Uh, as a head distiller, with the last 13, 13 years, or last decade or so that I've been head distiller, there's always pressure. Yeah. The pressure never comes never comes from the board though. It's, it's from from the consumer, from yourself. Like the yeah. expectation around quality is 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 high, um, and and pressure comes with that. I, I, you know, for for the budding guys coming up and in the team, then it's something you got to sort of say that there's always pressure. You never get away from the pressure, and mm. and and you talk to any head distiller on the on the planet, there's pressure around around always producing the best quality. Well, I suppose that brings us to the point where we should ask about the um the point that you brought up at the very start of the interview. So, Lark Distilling Company, Lark Distilling Co. The yeah, house, the House of Lark. The House of Lark. The House of Lark. We're, mm. we're really excited about this. Yep. We are really excited about this. This is this is a move that that is around. Quality, quality, quality. This allows us to, to do so much more for for the whiskey community in terms of the quality output. So, uh, firstly, there is no Australian whiskey holdings. That is 
that is has gone. We we are renamed as a corporate entity as uh, Lark Distilling Co. Um, why is that important? Because at the heart we are Lark. We like we have been. We we have Nant brand as well, but Lark at the is the, at the heart of the business from a brand perspective. Um, and within that, there's certain philosophies, or, or probably better put, is there's certain values that go with that. We're you know we have a family vibe around the company. We're, we're close, um, opposed to maybe a corporate vibe. Um, so what happens is by moving to a, a, a house, a house of you know Lark, sorry, as eloquent as ever, um, house of Lark situation. It means that we can pick the very best um, whiskey or very best barrels from across the entire you know entire portfolio. Um, so we never mix anything that was was distilled on different sites. That would be no longer single malt. But in terms of our recent Wolf of the Willows collaboration, Wolf number three, in this case, we had a look at what our portfolio had, and it was our Bothwell site, which produces Nant brand, a Bothwell distillery um, that produced the best style of whiskey. It had the best type of that bright, floral, citrusy punch that was gonna match best with the um, with the porter notes from, from Wolf of the Willows. And so in that case, we're like, okay, we're gonna pick that stock holding and we'll mix it with, we'll finish in those barrels and then ideologically or, or stylistically, that suits what Lark is. It is a sense of adventure, it is pressing forward to new interesting bounds, um, if that kind of makes sense. Yeah, well, I suppose just jumping in there then, so you keep, um, you've referring to, uh, the Bothwell site, and that's also on that uh, Wolf in the Willows um, bottle. So I suppose I need to ask, is Nant going to actually continue as a individual brand? Will Nant, sort of the name Nant, go on to, into the future, or is that going to be rolled back and become something different? And Yeah, so to me, to me one of the things that we've been working on for, for a while now is defining, is defining what Nant Nant is so Nant. Nant has been um, Nant brand has been single cast driven. That's changing right now. We're about to release our first marriage style of of Nant. That's for consistency, um, consistency and quality, uh, and continuity to market, um, so that we can produce a high high quality product consistently. Um, and so we'll see that the the Nant brand will con continue uh, with a port line, a sherry line, and a bourbon line. Um, and stylistically, you'll see that there'll be a bright sort of oak forward, um, you know, very, very refined um, style of whiskey, opposed to necessarily the, you know, Lark brand always seems to be a bit over the top. It's probably the fair, it's the fair way to put it, maybe. Um, and so we're really excited about where we're, where Nant brand is going. Um, and yeah, Nant's got a really, you know, a, a really positive future. Well, let's let's take a step back. What is Symphony Number no. One all about? Like the name and what you were, the ethos that you were looking for, and yeah, yeah. how how you came to create it. So Symphony Number no. One, like I'm I'm beyond pumped, pumped about. Um, I'm not sure the word pumped fits into our brand dialogue. I'm not sure <laughs> that for pumped. I'm very pumped. It's authentic though. Yeah, that's yeah. yeah. That's yeah. So anyway, um, no, pumped about Symphony Number no. One. What's What's Symphony Number no. One about? Symphony Number no. One is about uh, accessibility, drinkability. It, it's got enough complexity for people who've been drinking malt for you know for a decade, and it's got enough drinkability that you know you can sit back with your buddies that have never drunk malt before, and they're going to love it. Uh, it can be mixed, it can be cocktailed, it can be done straight on on ice and come together. Uh, when I was looking through the portfolio for Symphony Number no. One. We were going through and I was tasting and, and we found heaps of these, um, heaps of these bright floral, uh, sorry, like citrusy kind of tropical notes out of our, um, out of our Bothwell distillery, which is obviously Hover now, we're just speaking about. Uh, and then I was like, we've got to do something with that. It, it, like instantly when I was, when I was looking at that whiskey, I, I knew what I wanted to do. And so we married that with a little bit of Overeem sherry, a little bit of uh, Bothwell sherry, uh, and then some Lark, port underneath to give it a bit, bit extra weight mm -hmm. and yeah like it was it was one of the more easy whiskies to come come together with because we just like I just 
like when we tasted, I was like, I knew exactly what to do, exactly what we wanted to do, and it came out exactly how it was looking in my mind, if not a little bit better. And yeah, it's um, and you know the public obviously has responded. I did um, I did want to ask about that because from this conversation, I, I'm almost getting the impression that the classic cask remains an entry level for for Lark, but perhaps the Symphony Number no. One is the entry level for the House of Lark. So yeah, that's probably that's probably a fair. A fair descriptor, yeah, I think so. Mm. To me, this is just the next step in the evolution of Australian and Tasmanian Tasmanian whisky. So you've got to get to a certain age as an industry to be able to become to produce a blended malt. Mm-hmm. Um, you've got to have mature stocks from multiple distilleries. You've got to have you know enough volume coming through. You've got to um, uh, you've got to have the right expertise then to, to put it together, and you've got to have a willing public that is that is excited and mature enough to have a uh, you know, a conversation about the difference between single malt and, and blended malt and, and the advantages and disadvantages uh, of both. Uh, and I think the Australian industry is there now. I think we're there and, and so certainly it was an easy it was an easy thing for us to say, you know, what is that what is the next step in, in the industry and what is the next step for us? And those things, strangely enough, are often tired. Um, and here we are with, uh, with Symphony Number no. One. Um, apart apart from the uh, Symphony Number no. One, is there a particular re- release out sort of come, or coming out at the moment when people are listening to this that you would sort of recommend that they look for? Oh, actually, God, I'm terrible at marketing and things. So I'm forgetting mm. like our most exciting thing is probably coming up. Uh, we got our annual release of our Christmas mm. Christmas collab. <laughs> Can we talk about that? Yeah, We're running sure. out of time. How long does your podcast go for? Uh, Seven, 17 hours? Is this it'll, like a it'll marathon? Come, we might put it out in separate episodes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you ready for the most bizarre story in whiskey? <laughs> ready for it. Go. Right. Right. So down here in Tassie, um, there's a patisserie called uh, Jean Pascal. Jean Pascal patisserie. So head um, yeah. baker. Patissier. Patissier, yeah. thank you. Yeah. Jean Pascal has made, uh, makes these fruit mince pies every year around Christmas time. And unfortunately for him, they've become so popular that he actually starts making them so far out ahead uh, and does seven days a week and genuinely works 16 hours a day, seven days a week to get enough mince pies out for, for the community. Crazy, but they are flipping amazing. Um, so French winemaker up next door, Fogmore Creek, uh, Alain, um, good friends with, our, with, with us. Um, obviously known him for the last you know, 13 years, he's been up there as well, so we're really, really close. He's speaking with his good friend, Jean Pascal, uh, and Jean Pascal's like, okay, we get you know, the spices and we boil down the fruit, and then what's left of that is like this fruity liquid. And he was just tipping it down the drain, mm. and Jean uh, Alain was like, you can't do that. <laughs> you can't do that, here's this sugary liquid, give it to me and we'll ferment it. Mm. And so he, got hold of this, this sugary liquid and fermented it away. Yep. And he, he basically was like, created this, this alcoholic-y fruit jus, amazing yeah. Christmas, we call it Christmas liquid. It was like a, a mulled wine, but they spiced it before ferment rather than after. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so he, was, he had this stuff and he was putting it in cask and then we were getting chatting, he's like, uh, do you want these? And I was like, <laughs> yes. yes. Yes, I want these. And, um, and and lo and behold, we've got um, we finished our first. I think we did our first one last year. Yeah. Mm. Uh, so yeah, and then this year's Mark Two. Uh, I think it's better than last year's, and we're um, and yeah, it's literally fruit mince pie finished uh, whiskey. Yeah. So how how long does the uh, spirit stay um, in the barrels for? Yeah. So the the spirit's probably about. Like the whiskey is probably in there three to four months. Yep. About that. So, yep. yeah. And so, then, yeah, finished in those ones, yeah. Yeah, and then we've got a combination of fermented and unfermented liquid going into cast. So, you get mm. a, bit of, a bit of both. Yeah, yeah, cool. a bit of that sweetness as well. Yeah. Um, um, that's pretty exciting as well. So, stay tuned for that one. Well, um, I think that we've taken up your time for long enough, Chris. Thank you so much for, for being so kind and, yeah, um, answering all of our questions in, yeah, the, I in think the truest I, waffly sense. We appreciate it. I think the thing that we can get most out of this is just how enthusiastic you are about, yeah, what you do and about, yeah, the whole House of Lark ethos and yeah. the family vibe that you get with it and, yeah, and the products that you get to release. So, no, thanks for sharing that with us. Yeah, no worries. It's been, um, it's been good. And, um, and to all of you wonderful people out there listening, um, please, please do stay safe. 
stick to the stick to the, the isolation rules if, if that's what you've got in place and and hopefully soon you can all come visit us in Tassie uh, and drink some whiskey with us and we would love to have you and yeah and get back to some sort of normality yeah fingers crossed thanks Chris and Cheers. as you said stay safe Actually, you know when that's for. That's for the night before Christmas, Christmas mm. Eve, Christmas when you like putting out the mince pies for Santa, and you also leave him a mince pie uh, dram, yep. which then Dad comes along and drinks <laughs> in the middle yep. of the night, and you're like, "Oh my God, Santa's been here, and he's drunk Santa's all your whiskey." Thirsty, yeah. No wonder those reindeers flew in a slightly strange direction for the rest of the evening. <laughs> Ted, are you full of turkey? I certainly am. Turkey whiskey. Uncle Darren's out on the lawn making inappropriate comments in the sprinkler. <laughs> and Uncle Bruce is swimming in his clothes. Fantastic times. Mm. Yes, I feel like it's been a big day. Um, many, many uh, presenting things have happened. Many eatering things have happened. And mm. significantly, some drinkering has happened. Indeed, I'm sure that we are not the only ones here. If you've had a nice Christmas dram, get on our Instagram and leave us a comment about yes, please what have you drunk this Christmas. And also us- wish us Merry Christmas. Mm. Please tell us how you celebrate Christmas. Do are you a teetotaler at Christmas? Do you, do you just go? Do you go cold turkey? <laughs> uh, yeah, there we are. Uh, yeah, there we go. Um, nice or, it was worth this episode just to get to that joke. <laughs> or do you bust into some uh, pretty sensational Chrissy drams? Yeah, like like the two of us. Well, we will catch up over the new year where we review our. Our award-winning whiskeys of 2020. Yes, the Waffle Awards are on again. This Coming is, up this soon. This will be the sixth Waffle We've done Awards? a few now, but it's only the second one to make a podcast. So Yes. Mm. Um, anyway, keep an ear out for that. Uh, check us out on whiskeywaffle.com, mm. on the social medias, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Um, we are not on TikTok yet. We are probably too <laughs> old to understand. Indeed, indeed. And uh, yeah... Basically, if you'd like to get a little bit more whiskey waffle in your life, jump on our Patreon and um, see what some of these bonus episodes coming out are all about. And if you're feeling in a particularly uh, festive spirit, please consider supporting one of our uh, higher tiers, which you will be able to receive some whiskey for your trouble. gifts in the mail. Yes. Yeah. Otherwise, uh, please... If you have any other questions, send us a carrier pigeon in a tiny Santa hat. Mm, yeah, indeed, indeed. That sounds like my sort of carrier pigeon. Well then, uh, until the new year, I must say, keep on waffling, everyone. Thank you for listening to us again this year and mm. our drunken ramblings. We appreciate it. Thank you very much, We really everyone. do. You guys all rule. Mm. Thank you very much. Ho, ho, ho. He, he, he. And... Good night. Good night. Whiskey Waffle recommends you drink whiskey responsibly and only if you're above the legal drinking age in your country. Our lawyers made us say that. Or at least, they would have if we actually had lawyers. Meh. No, actually, that's wrong. That's a goat. Bah.